Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 137, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host, producer of the Big E, Eric Fisher. Joining me this week, member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klosterman. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Welcome back. It's been a few weeks. I'm doing good. How are you? Doing fantastic. No Dylan this week. He is out sick. You guys got to get together. I'm just, right. I'm just putting that out there. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. Internet issues last week. How was that, by the way? Has it been fixed yet? Yeah, we got a router Friday. Nice. Even though it's not that old, but for some reason our router quit. Huh. Really dumb. Shauna may or may not be joining us later in the episode. We'll see. Not ruling it out. She's a little preoccupied right now with the hustle. So she's busy tutoring. So it's just me and Sean for right now. Like I said, maybe she'll join us a little later in the episode. If not... Buckle up, because we have a lot, of talk, lot to talk about this week. We start off with always talking with our friends over at Raging Pro Wrestling, RPW, with their next event coming up on February 10th at the Watering Hole in Green Bay. Tickets are still available at Look Sharp at the Fox River Mall, as well as the Watering Hole itself and RagingProWrestling.com and their social media pages, so be sure to check them out. Matches being announced, videos being announced pretty much on, on a regular daily basis Mm -hmm. so be sure to check that out and pay attention to them as they build up for their potentially last show scheduled for the watering hole for quite some time so uh pay attention to that as well for future locations of future shows we've also got our friends over at raise energy repsports.com code root four r o o t number four gets you 15 percent off of any order that's called root four r o o t number four for their lifestyle energy drink products with that, Sean, we can get right in the episode this week and start off with what we had rooted for in the last week from myself or what, the last like, month for you? It hasn't been that long. <laughs> I know. I'm it's just only kidding. been two weeks. Um, so with that in mind, Sean, what do you got for us? Uh, so we talked before the episode started, but I'm going to change my change my whole thing. I'm going to oh, go. My, my root for is going to be Simone Biles. Okay. Why? Because... So she was so happy with the guy giving her the goat, or the what is that a headdress, headband, or head hat? It was a hat, right? It's like foam and everything like that. It was it was it was really cool to see. Yeah, the uh, the frozen tundra guy. I don't know mm -hmm. what his actual name. Yeah, I don't know either. uh, Frozen tundra guy after the Packers Chiefs game gave her a goat hat and then made a Jonathan Owens like player hat for Mm -hmm. for her husband, not to leave him out. And just how she's embracing everything that Green Bay has to offer. It's just been nice to see. I will say, I mean, last week and a little bit later in the episode, we're not quite done with it yet. But for all the hype around the Taylor Swift appearance in Green Bay, it's kind of amazing when you really think about how the other celebrity fans the Packers have out there and how they all embrace it. And then this turned now a Packers wife mm-hmm. and other Packers wives for that matter too. I mean, you talk about Gabby Dillon is all over the place in the community and a number of other Packer wives. Ma- uh, Mason Crosby's Mason wife, was, Crosby's wife was everywhere. So who was the other guy that was at the Packer game Sunday? Monk. Yep. The actor that played Monk. The He's a Green Bay native. Yep. Went to UW Green Bay as well. Uh, Liv Morgan was there. I did not know that. Yeah. That, that he went to Green Bay or lived in Green Bay. I did not know that. Fun fact. Um, Liv also, Morgan Liv there? Morgan was there. The WWE star, oh. superstar. Uh, Lil Wayne did the Sunday Night Football entrance. Not the not the song, obviously. That's Carrie Underwood. But 
uh, did like kind of like a talk over yep. about Title Town and the lights and all that. Um, so yeah, a lot of I mean that's just a, a very select few right. celebrity Packer fans. There's a considerable amount more. Uh, just off the top of my head, I know Justin Timberlake, Harry Styles, uh, Anthony Davis, all big Packer fans as well. I know there's a lot more. Mr. Miyagi when he was alive. That's true. <laughs> Eric, Sean, we're kind of in the, we're in the same. Yeah, same, right. Yep. We're on the internet. We're on the same same boat as Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that's a great route for. And absolutely, like you said, just embracing the the Packer culture and the team and the city for that matter, too. Even even when she was here, when her and Aaron Rodgers together, together Olivia Munn talking about going to Maplewood and, yep. and all that. So, yeah, it's, it is really refreshing when these people who have been all over the world, all over the world and kind of adapt to our our quiet, slow lifestyles here mm-hmm. in Wisconsin where, like, Aaron Rodgers talks about going to India, Bhavan, um, and Maplewood as as highlights of being here. Right. So that's a great Route 4. That's what I'm here for. My Route 4 for the week. I was just talking about this. I know I already blanked out. Oh, I didn't talk about this on it loud. I don't honestly just, and I know they lost today, but the Green Bay Phoenix women have been just on an impressive tear. Um Getting votes the last two weeks in the AP poll probably won't after today's loss because this is only a game for the week. Uh, lost by two to DePaul today. But yes, it's a very, you know, it's it's a powerhouse in the, in the mid-major level. Um, but it's never not shocking when they're already taken down two top 25 opponents this early on in the season. And for that matter, the Green Man men have already surpassed their win total from last year. Uh, another big win for them on Saturday against CW Milwaukee men going to four wins and holding home, holding serve at home. They're three and zero at home this season. So it's, it's really amazing to me. And I talked about this on the episode last week, a little bit about how, um, you know, just a change in culture, a new coach, you know, basically a brand new roster can really change in one year with college basketball and coach Wicks. I mean, last week, Green Bay takes on St. Thomas of Minnesota, a team that beat them by 20 the year before. And Green Bay buckles down. They, you know, play play their game. And they never trailed in the game. They win by 13. So just uh, the difference a year makes in, in these two teams. So did want to make mention of that. Um, and really, you know, nothing against Marquette fans, but really bad day for college basketball fans in the city of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Marquette gets upset by Wisconsin. Green Bay gets or Milwaukee gets upset by Green Bay. Great day for me personally. I mean, right. I don't really have a dog in the, the Badgers Marquette fight. I root for both, but always great when Green Bay can beat yep. uh, Milwaukee as well. Uh, Dylan did want to participate a little bit in the episode. He did want to shout out Oshkosh native Tyrese Halberton in his route for for the week. Uh, Been balling out. Balling out. An absolute superstar in the making playing for the Pacers and one of those guys that really holds again, you know, talk about Simone Biles and people embracing the Northeast Wisconsin culture, just a guy who still, as he rises a superstardom in the NBA really has that Oshkosh roots firmly planted. Uh, so I did want to make mention of that as well. Before we move on to the next part, Sean, I know that you weren't here last week and I gave homework last week, so you're not getting out of it. But so two weeks or last week's episode, we had talked about uh, kind of what our 
I guess the first part of this was in our root force segment was what we were thankful for uh, in the sports world and something that you were thankful that you've gotten to witness as a sports fan. I've gotten to witness. I think, I think just being able to see a place like green, like Lambeau field and being able to go there whenever you want. It's just one of those things that you don't, you take for granted a lot of times. Sure. So I think, because, I mean, people all over the world want to come to see it, and we can see it any day we want to go see it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll kind of go that route. All right. Moving on to the next part here, we've got our Noogie segment. This does return after a week off. Um, We'll get to yours here in a second, (laughs) because we did have last week's homework as well that Sean did not was not here for. So, no, I take that back. We're going to start with that before we get into the negatives. So the other part of the noogie uh, was it, it was a positive last week. So last week we had talked about what changed. Why were you so positive? She came off of Thanksgiving. <laughs> now we're back into a food to, coma. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of stuff happened over the weekend. So I'm just I'm, I'm ready to talk about a lot of stuff. Right. But so with that, Sean, uh, the second part of your homework last week was to kind of talk about, you know, we talked this really was spotlighted with the Alabama uh, or Auburn game where these student sections were crying after the loss and just kind of embracing the emotion of sports. And it kind of got a lot of people, you know, like, like as the internet does all the memes and stuff oh, of these yeah. people, but it also really makes you think about like what, how much like emotion is in sports and like how deep rooted in a lot of people's lives it is. So Sean, I know we just talked about what you are thankful that you get to witness or participate in, but if you can think about a moment or moments that, really made you love sports growing up or what made you like really fall in love with it? So the, the moment, the moment that always comes to my mind is probably when I was, this said, this was high school. I think the David freeze game. Boo. I, I know, I know, but that is one of the coolest moments that I've ever watched on TV. And it's still, one of those things that just gives you a little bit of goosebumps. I think it was game six. It was. It was an elimination game for the Cardinals. For the World Series, right? For the World Series. And multiple times throughout, I mean, the Cardinals were down to their last strike like right. three times. And I think all three times it was David Freeze at bat. Mm-hmm. And, and it was it was just one of those things that you remember where you were when you watched it. And it still goes around in your head about how something like that can happen and guy just gets red hot with the bat and you can't get him out. Mm-hmm. Still one of my favorite moments, even though it's the Cardinals, but it's still one of my favorite moments. That is a good one. I, as a baseball fan, as mad as I was that year, and I still hold on to that one because that was 2011 when the Brewers lost the Cardinals right. in the NLCS. But as mad as I was, like like you said, that's, the postseason in all sports really have that ability to make heroes out of people mm-hmm. who, you know, they don't have the the shiniest career. Right, exactly. But, yeah, that's a good one. Any others that come to mind? Mm. I don't know if you listened to the episode last week. No, um, of course not. Thanks, by no, the way. That's what I'm here for. Um, Sorry, I blew up. One big one. <laughs> one big one we had talked about was uh, the Brett Favre Raiders game. Yep. Uh, and then Dylan made mention of it. And I hadn't even really thought about it this way, but just watching sports with dads. 
Like mm-hmm. our, both our dads and yep. kind of it's something to do. Um, I, I remember I talked about it last week of watching, you know, especially in the summer where and then you can you know this. Yep. My dad had worked like he worked super late hours. Right. But basically in the summer, there's almost always a baseball game. Mm-hmm. So he comes home and yeah, it's just a you know it's a quiet way for him to unwind and you know have something on in the background as you're kind of unwinding from the day. But right. you can kind of sit there, you get excited, you know, if they're winning or if they're losing, it's just you know a good way to just hang out. Right. So and that that was another one for us. Another thing that comes to my mind too is when I'm growing up, I used to always go watch my cousins were like ten years older than me. Sure. Growing up, so going to watch their high school basketball, football, baseball, wrestling, kind of all that, all that stuff, and going and watching those just kind of brings you back. Sure. Thinking about stuff like that and just watching that as you're growing up and that's what you want to do and that kind of stuff. So I got to ask, because I asked this to Dylan last week. Every, I mean, you go to every high school football game, there's the kids who are in the bleachers with their parents, and there's the kids who are. Wandering around playing football behind the bleachers. Which one were you? A little bit of both. It kind of depended on if your friends were there or if you were there to just sit and watch. It's a good answer. So I was a little bit of both. I will admit that. More more so sitting in the stands just watching. Yeah. That's so. that's where I fell to. Dylan was talking about how he was always uh playing in the you know behind the bleachers. I think mm-hmm. he said till he got the crap kicked out of him one night because that's always what happens right there's a kid who's like a grade or two older than you and right. just, you know you get a little too aggressive on a play and they take the wood to you and then you're you're kind of done yeah i'm gonna but go it happens <laughs> all right um so <laughs> away from the positivity let's get into the, the true nature of the nuggie sean i'm gonna let you go first because it's been a while since you've been on let me go first yeah I've got a couple loaded up, so I'm, I'm curious right. where you're going on I'm this. I'm going to go NFL offici- officiating. Easy one. Easy one. I know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take the low-hanging fruit. It is an easy one. Uh, they why, get, Sean? They, what happened? They get paid way too much for everything they do. What, what, what are you talking about? What happened, Sean? Just, just egregious calls all weekend, and it was just <laughs> terrible. Like it does, you could you could put a high school ref out there, and you could get this the same thing. And just, these guys are paid two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. I just I I don't get how there's no accountability for them. But if a if a coach or player criticizes them, they get fined, right? And they're not full time employees. Yeah. So what are we what are we protecting these these referees from? It's a multi-billion-dollar company, and you don't have professional refs, right? You have full-time lawyers who are in decent enough shape to run up and down the field, which is a lot of work, right? And you're gonna have a human element of a game. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect game, but but specifically the, for Sunday night football, well, not, not, I won't even go Sunday night football. I'll go, I'll go the three thirty game with okay. with the Dre Greenlaw fighting with the. What is it? The security, security, head of security. Head of, I wasn't going to say security guard, but the head of security for the Eagles. It's like, so why did that guy didn't do anything and he got removed from the sideline? Right. And got a penalty on his team. Terrible. And why can't the whole thing in New York with 
we're able to review everything. We're supposed to have an eye in the sky. Why can't we look at this stuff and it takes 30 seconds to call them and be like, yep, you got it wrong. Switch it. Move on. Right. And that's like you, like they, they have a designated official in the booth. Right. <laughs> Did you see that? No. On the bottom of, uh, so we got the Badger Michigan State game on, and they were trying to show a graphic. So they had Chucky Hepburn, and then and underneath it said free edit text. <laughs> it's always funny. Um, no, and, and like, I mean, the Sunday Night Football game obviously gets a hyper focus, A, because primetime, and B, because the Packers were in it for us. So right. we're watching it even closer with higher scrutiny. And again, I, I get that there's going to be missed calls. That's a human element of a game. But. Right. The fact, and it ended up benefiting the Packers on the on the one play, but the errors down the stretch in the crucial moments of that game. You know, you always say, "Don't let the you know, don't be in a position where the referees can't impact a game." Right. Like it, it, a referee is never going to be the one to to decide a game, but they're definitely impacting it. Right. Hundred percent. And when you get, you know, there are so many small things. I mean, it was a very weak pass interference call that ends up leading to the Keyshawn Nixon interception. Uh, the next play. So, you know, you kind of have a, a ball don't lie moment. There, right. Right. You have on that final drive prior to, or I think it was just after the Jonathan Owens penalty, but you have leading up to the potential Hail Mary attempt, you throw, or you have a MVS try and get down and he's very clearly going backwards that you yep. don't keep the clock going. Yep. Um, and so, and then of course the Mahomes play, which the dude was still a runner. He was angling for a first down. Mm-hmm. Foot was fully in bounce. Other foot was also in the air, so it wasn't like he was, you know, had one foot in, one foot out. Right. The missed pass interference call, even though it goes, you know, and helps Green Bay, it's it's still that that's egregiously bad. Right. And then the fact that again, there's there's very little accountability. They get, you know, they have their pool reporter breakdown where they mm-hmm. have like one referee kind of answer all the questions but even there it's you know they get to phone in their answer like yeah the the judging referee or the the calling referee didn't see it that way they give the best lawyer answers they do they give a customer service lawyer answer right and it's it's basically says nothing while also saying yeah this is what it was and what we believed but no one gets to go back and say well no, it probably was wrong. Right. And I even get, you know, there's, I give a little bit of, you know, a little homerism there. It's okay. You know, first of all, they just messed up on the one, but even if you argue like maybe balance or Valentine's trying to play the ball, he, he wasn't there. Like, no, it was, it was pass interference. Right. And that's a rookie who, you know, in college, it's a 15 year penalty. Mm-hmm. That's a spot follow of the NFL, which why don't you just change it and make it a 15 year penalty? Would I think if you do that, then you're going to have a lot more of it because there's not as serious of a consequence. But I mean, it's still, it's still. But at the same time, like I, I get where you're coming from right. on that too. So that's that's is that your only nugget this week? Yeah, I think so. You sure? Did I have a nugget earlier? I don't. You remember. did. Uh, I'll take my low hanging fruit one to see if you remember it because I also oh. had one too. Do, do I remember? No, I don't remember. So my low hanging fruit one is going to be. The whole surrounding of having a four-team college football playoff. And with this in mind, I'm going to just down the whole system. Because on the one hand, if I'm a Florida State fan, I'm pissed. Right? Like, 
by definition, they did everything that they had to. They they were 13 and 0. They won their conference championship. They basically don't get in because their starting quarterback got hurt, which is a big deal. That guy was a Heisman caliber, like Heisman finalist type candidate yep. player. But it's not like it happened in the last game. And here's my ultimate beef with that. That in particular is that the committee to this point has awarded teams who, you know, we can look back and say they had no business being in the college football playoff, but the committee's awarded them in the past for having the resume. And of all years to go away from that and go based on what's going to make good games, you do it in the final year of four teams, which again, like I said, if I'm a Florida state fan, I'm sitting here pissed off at the world because you're basically saying that that one player that they played without for two and a half weeks means that they don't get the the championship opportunity for the other 39 guys, you know, right. 39 when you figure in starters, yep. rotational guys, whatever. 39, 40 some odd guys. And they and they still had a better strength of schedule than Alabama. Right. And we're three and oh, I think they had an equal amount of wins against top twenty fives. Mm-hmm. So again, make of that what you will. But you're not putting the SEC championship winner in the in the playoff. That's what it is. It's all about the SEC. Yeah. But it, it's a one loss SEC champion versus an undefeated ACC champion. So I guess I'm just I'm looking forward to the the where it's twelve. Yeah. Let's just let's avoid all these headaches with right. it. I'm I'm just waiting for the first one twelve upset upset to happen. That'll be great, won't it? Right. It won't be for some time, but you don't think so? I don't because I I think there was legitimately this year where there was, I think five teams that are going to be able to contend, and I don't think Florida State was going to even with Jordan Travis being healthy. No. But did, uh, did you did you also see that? Um, didn't did I seen them talking about one of the sports rate or sports stations? I don't remember which one it was or which show it was, but they were talking that if Deion Sanders was the coach of Florida State, that they would be in the playoff. Yeah, probably. Right. I mean, just just for the media poll and the, the reality of the situation is the committee valued this season as to what would actually be the best game versus who deserved to be there which that's their right to do so i get it they get paid way more than we do to make these decisions so right i'm i'm very curious on that florida state was it florida state liberty is the game that they're in the liberty bowl i uh, no i just I'm, i think that's their opponent liberty university oh really i think so let me that i didn't know i want to make sure i get this right because I think whoever Florida State plays, they're going to kick the shit out of. I think they're going to go out with a point to prove. Oh, 100%. And go in kind of like a, a couple years back where Miami, or a number of years ago, Miami didn't get the nod to play in the national championship game, even though they had a better resume. Yep. And went and just beat the hell out of Florida. Yep. Where is it here? I'm looking. This is great podcasting right now. It really is. Um, I'm gonna find it. They, they play Georgia. Oh, they play Georgia in the okay, orange, maybe orange not. bowl. That'll be a really good game. Maybe not. So you th- <laughs> so you think they if they get blown out by Georgia, it makes the playoff look better? I don't know. I because you th- you think about it, we would have got a in the in that orange bowl, we would got a Alabama Georgia rematch. 
In theory, yeah. I don't know if they would have done two conference teams. I think the Bulls would have probably separated a little bit. They would have put Ohio State in that. It would have probably of... been Iowa, Alabama oh, in no, the you... Citrus Bowl. Or maybe they bump Liberty from the Fiesta Bowl. Or you make Oregon, yeah, Oregon against Georgia. One of the that something would, to that effect. That'd be cool. But I, you know, it's kind of one of those I guess all's well that ends well type things. Right. That's gonna. It's gonna be a good game. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, Florida's or Georgia's a fourteen point favorite as of right now, which feels about right. But also, we don't know who from Georgia's all gonna play. And like I said, if Florida State. I think they're going to want to come out and prove something. Right. So I think it's not going to be the, the business as usual game for Georgia, and it's going to be a lot more to them. Anyway, uh, I was kind of teasing here. So my other – I have two nuggies here that I'm also going to give. One I'm going to give to you. To me? For the re- the nugget that you were going to give in the pre-show meeting. Oh, fantasy football. Fantasy football. So Sean just, has been complaining no. for – the better part of two days now. Just one. It was at least much Sunday afternoon and yesterday and right. a little bit today. So it's been the better part of really three days, Sean. Three days you've been complaining about fantasy football playoffs because in the podcast league, and this is our other chance to mention the podcast league. There it's been go. a few weeks since yeah. we updated this. The podcast league, Sean is going to get bounced out of the first round of the playoffs because of the two-week playoff system, which has been a staple of this league. And actually, I, for one year. It's been this for three years. It's been three years. All three years that we've had the podcast league, we've had the three week play or the two week playoff, which I I think is a big. I love having it because I think it it kind of gives a little more wiggle room in the playoff games. You have to be the best team twice. Yeah, but you the, the issue I have with it is you lose your buys. You're still having bye weeks. Sure. But that's also trying to avoid not having to play on weeks 18 when teams are pulling starters. You still don't play week 18 in the play with the playoff schedule. A lot of I think our our money league does. No, it's done on week 17. Well, in that case we may need to evaluate that year next year. I will So I'm just just strong. I'm not trying to oh, say I got oh, I got bounced out in play in first round of the play, playoff. No, nothing that way. You're making it look that way. It's it's hard to deny that, Sean, especially when you've been in favor of this two-week playoff when it's benefited you in the years past. Not true. Never I, been in favor of it. You were you were pretty happy about it last year. There was no. a game where it worked out for you last year. No. Regardless, all I'm going to say is between that one and then in our one of our other leagues where you're all mad because I have a first-round bye clinched even though you have a better record. I have two wins on you, and you still have a first-round bye. That's because I'm in Just, a different division. You're the only team that made it made the playoff in that division. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my fault. I'm not the commissioner in that one. Aaron, if you're listening, Sean has beef with you. I I got nothing in that one. I am gladly reaping the benefits of it. Yeah, because you would have been out if Mark would have won, or if Crocker would have won. Oh no, I I just clinched a week early. Oh. There's one more week of the regular season, oh. and I think with because I won this week in that one anyway, so I think I would have clinched with just a win. But it was a very tight game going into Monday Night Football. So Mark Mark with a barely full lineup or had two guys <laughs> on by ends up beating our friend Aaron, who is the commissioner, and leave it to Mark. Sneaks or locks up the number one seed in our division 
uh, the number two seed overall up for me. So I'll take that. Uh, going back to the podcast league, I do want to update our loyal listeners on this, even though most of them who are listening are already aware of these things. But for those of you that aren't, uh, playoffs started two weeks ago. And Tyson and Shauna had the first round buys, which we we might have to like switch up the divisions next year. Yeah, we might have to like start a new league and just. Well, I can. I think I can manually. Just oh, can do you? That. Can you? Oh, I yeah. didn't, I don't know if you could like, if you had to start a whole new league or anything that way. I will give. I mean, Shauna did have a six and five. She's kind of the same thing. Right. She was a six and five two seed. Where all of us in the, uh. Three, four, five, six all had equal or better records. But right. uh, so Tyson gets the first round by. He's the one seed. Sean is the two seed. Uh, Christian Mingle, which was you, Sean, nope, uh, loses to Built Ford Tough, the three versus six upset. Mm-hmm. And that goes down after the two week score of 294.12 to 251.72. And I beat Ramsey 239.88 to 219.22. So I will go on to play. Uh, team Tyson, the U Hala Hala, and David moves on to play as Secretary Shauna. Which, which still doesn't make because shouldn't it be the other way? Shouldn't like the one seed get the worst seed? Or I don't it, think it reseeds. It doesn't reseed itself. It just, I think it just goes just based go. on the bracket. Um, which I mean, I, I'd be in favor of, but <laughs> you'd you'd want to you'd want to play Shauna and knock her out of the playoff. It it was a big it was a good feeling last year when I did it. And it's well, you might have a chance in the championship. She's, oh, got, she's, got, she's got to do her lineup, though. That she's got to remember to do her lineup the, these next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. If I play <laughs> her for the championship, there is going to be some tension in the uh, Riverwood Tower Studio apartment. Oh, trade trade deadline's already gone. I could have traded her, everybody. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that'll be the next two weeks. We've got weeks 14 and 15, and then uh, championships week uh, 16 and 17. So we'll see how that all plays out. Should be a very exciting time as the league goes on. And Sean is at home playing in the constellation bracket versus Ramsey in the four versus five or three versus four. Right. In that winner's constellation bracket. So good season, Sean. Made the playoffs. That's all that matters. A healthy seven and four season. All for naught. <laughs> It happens. Not going to get the WWE belt this year. Should have got it last year. I can't help <laughs> what happened on Monday Night Football. A guy almost died, Sean. Well, that helped me in the other leagues. So. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. Uh, my other nugget, just real quick. Um, talking We're still about, on nuggies? <laughs> yeah, I had a lot to say this week. Uh, I'm going to make this one as fast as possible, but... I'm going to give it to the Packers, not because of anything on the field. They've actually been a blast to watch on the field. Uh-oh. And I don't actually know who to blame for this one. So it's going to be the Packers, the organization as a whole. Yes. Uh, so every year, the Packers usually do two to three autograph settings, partner with Salvation Army. It's usually like a $50 donation, minimum donation, but you get like four players autographs for that. And it's usually four pretty good players. Uh, last night was supposed to be the signing, uh, the second one at Lambeau Field and announced last week for the signing was Christian Watson, Jair Alexander, Romeo Dobbs and Quay Walker. A very healthy. I mean, that's a very big four. 
And we got there. So the signing itself was supposed to start at five. We got there probably about four forty, and there was several hundred people there. Like the line was from where the Hall of Fame desk is, kind of where it started by the elevators there, and it went zigzagging back all the way to the doors facing Lombardi, and then like kind of weirdly snaked back around again. So there was probably three, four hundred people there last night, and. This is where the nuggy. Um, so Christian Watson ends up getting hurt Monday night football or Sunday night football. Uh, does has the hamstring injury, and I don't know if he actually ended up returning to the game. I thought I saw him on a I couple plays. I don't but think he did. Regardless if he did or didn't, um, you know it steals attention because he had a great game, and Jair wasn't an inactive player for that game. And anyway, so I mentioned this because. About an hour and a half before the signing string, so about 3.45 or so, on a Green Bay Packer memorabilia collector Facebook page, one of the guys who's already there posts that Christian Watson's not showing up or not able to come, and that Jair Alexander is also 50-50 if he's coming. Um, No official word given by the players or the organization it's assumed because of the injury that Watson's not coming, whether it be like rehabs, you know, work or, you know, whatever the situation is. And I'm not necessarily even blaming the players per se, because I get it. It's day after a game. It's, you know, the late night, the night before it's, you know, again, both of these guys are on the injury report and very well could have had rehab work to do with the training staff or something, you know, any, or even like a specific, like, rest work you know it could have been any number of things um i'm not going to speculate on that but so those two guys you know it's already announced and then uh the report was that kingsley anagbari was going to show up for christian watson and the team was frantically trying to work on getting a replacement for jair if he doesn't if he's unable to make it so we get there at like i said about 440 in the line again a lot of people there a lot of kids there and as we kind of go through and the line starts slowly moving, well, 510, you know, is what it is. I'm not going to criticize anybody right. um, for showing up late. That's just is what it is. Line starts moving. And I mean, it's going decent speed. That's not like a problem. But then the kind of the words kind of trickling between, you know, people who are there that it's only Kingsley and Romeo Dobbs. And on the Facebook group that I'm part of, you know, there's also a number of us kind of chit-chatting back and forth on this post, giving each other updates. And then about 5.40, our friend Mel goes and asks one of the people if it's only going to be those two, if they're still trying to get at least a third, whether it be Quay Walker or, you know, trying to find replacements. And we find out it's only going to be Romeo and Kingsley and Igbari. Uh We decide to leave at that point. You know, not really. You know, I have stuff of, of Romeo Dobbs already and... Uh, nothing against Kingsland and Bari, but for professional sake, like I, I don't feel like an obligation to have him because he's on our radio show on the fan. So it's not like a huge, like I, I feel professionally like I, I shouldn't, even though it's a good cause. But anyway, come to find out probably 20 or so minutes later, uh, the Salvation Army puts a kibosh to the rest of the signing, or not, not a kibosh to it, but they say, you know, they cut the line off. They turned probably about 75, 50, 75 people away reportedly. 
and the guys stand up once the people who had already paid get through and wave and head home. Where the noogie comes in, there's a couple factors here. One, I think the team should have been a lot more in front of the situation, um, you know, reporting that, dude, even if it's not 100% true, that uh, Christian Watson, Jair Alexander, with due to injury, aren't able to make it, um, or, you know, whatever the situation is. Or at least, you know, because there's people, again, there's people who came from across the state for this. And not even being that guy, but, I mean, it's it's a lot of money to some people. And that's kids' Christmas presents. There's a lot of kids who, you know, they wore their jerseys. They had canvases made. You know, all that stuff. And all things considered, I mean, it's a pretty fairly cheap way to meet a couple of your favorite players. Right. And definitely cheaper than their autographs are individually. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's for a good cause. So it's just kind of a lot of people drop the ball in the situation in my book. I mean, we have social media and all. We have everything that we can do to get information to everybody. And we're, we didn't use it. Right. Whether it be the Packers themselves or Salvation Army or whatever. Like You can't tell me they couldn't like A.J. Dillon couldn't have came or, you know, Right, and and I mean the rumors are that he's going to be in the second one. Who cares? Or the third one? But right, it's just one of those things where I think a ball got dropped at a number of different turns, and would have been nice. And I hope the Packers end up making it right, right. on the 18th at the other signing. I feel like in some capacity they will, but they need to. They need to because they need to have like a whole bunch of guys there. And ideally for a longer than about 45 minutes worth of signing um, a for the Salvation Army's sake and B just for the sake, again, like I said, just of of kind of doing right by your community and your fans, because there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of sad and upset kids, which, you know, it's not it's not the Packers faults of, you know, they're if they had certain obligations that they're expected to be there for an hour. And once that hour is done, well, that is what it is. That's what they're talked to, contracted for, whatever. But I don't know. I, I just think it's a bad look. Right. It's a very bad look. So it's a bad look on the players and on the team. Yeah. It, 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 it makes just, it made everybody look bad. Be transparent. Right. You know, if it's a situation, like I said, if it's a situation where if it's if it's due to injury and, you know, rehab work or whatever the situation is. If you own that situation and you post on social media and you get people, you know, who've either taken time off or are traveling from across the state or, you know, whatever the situation is, or kids who, you know, you're about to spend $50 and, you know, you, you're in some people's eyes not getting to get your full money's worth based right. on what you're going there to expect. Right. It's just a little kind of shitty. Yeah, 100%. All right, moving on. We're going to go back to positive here. And I know that the whole week went by. Only one Taylor Swift mentioned in the broadcast on Sunday. I was very surprised. I was very surprised. But I, we're not totally done with her yet. Uh, because our Wisconsin <sighs> Web Story of the Week, real it's a real quick one this week, uh, talks about how a baker in Marinette, a Marinette County woman, has a unique connection to Taylor Swift's Lambeau Field appearance on Sunday night. And this is coming courtesy of WBAY here in Green Bay. And it talks about 
Erica Dunn, who was featured in one of their small town stories, uh, makes cookies for fans in the suites on Packers game days. And last Tuesday, she was informed that Swift would indeed be coming to cheer on the Chiefs and her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. Uh, Dunn then put her talents to work and created the Chiefs and Taylor Swift-themed cookies, which were in the suite waiting for her. Uh, Dunn would go on to say, quote, that, I mean, to be able to be... I mean, to be able to give her a gift with my cookies in an opportunity that you can't pass up and will probably never happen again. I keep hoping maybe she really likes them and needs one every day, and then I'll just be sending them to her, said Dunn. <laughs> uh, Dunn said that she's now busy making more than 900 cookies for Packers' annual Christmas party coming up. Wow. Um, so just I, kind of a cool moment. Not really Taylor Swift involved, but uh, the WBAY story has some of these, like the pictures from those cookies, and they're pretty cool. Right. Um, also, quick shout out while we're just, again, kind of putting a bow on this. I don't know if you had saw this on social media or not, uh, Sean, but uh, Mel and Ramsey's, they have their side business with Mitch and Julie, where they sell jerseys, courtesy of Riverwood Gallery Studio in Jill, Wisconsin, uh, where they sell their custom jerseys, their autograph memorabilia, etc. And they had jerseys uh, with the Chiefs jersey with 87 on the back that says Taylor's Boyfriend which were featured on ESPN's pregame show on nice. Sunday morning uh, from their stadium view booth. Nice. So if you want to get a hold of one of those jerseys, their, so, their information on how to order one uh, is available on my Instagram or my Twitter page. Also, I believe we have it on our route for Wisconsin social media as well, uh, because it is the Riverwood Gallery studio courtesy of the Riverwood Gallery. So shout out to Mitch and Julie and Mellon Rams for being featured on ES freaking PN. Right. So did want to make mention of that as well. They sell a lot of them? Yes. They were. I think they had one or two remaining from what they had made for the weekend. Nice. Um, so if you're still looking for one or if you want to custom order one here going forward, by all means, like I said, their contact information is out there or message one of us for it as well if you don't have it and if you can't track it down. Right. Moving on to the world of sports and back to kind of our conversation, our trip around the state. Badgers wrapped their season up uh, two weeks ago. They beat Minnesota, or regular season, I should say. They draw the ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa, Florida on New Year's Day, which is a bigger bowl. It's formerly known as the Outback Steakhouse Bowl, uh, which is the Badgers have played in quite a bit throughout our lifetime, Sean. Um, but they will be playing LSU in that game. And the early line on that game, if you had to guess, Sean, what would you guess? LSU, Wisconsin. LSU by 10. 10 and a half. Good job. So Badgers, uh, big underdog going to that one. They will be likely without Braylon Allen, who is declared for the draft already. Also going to be without Shamiri DK, who has announced that for his graduate season, he's going to go into the transfer portal. So, a couple weapons down already, but all in all... Uh, It'll be fine when we have Arch Manning next year. No big deal. <laughs> so, Sean says that, and I'm glad he brought it up. The Badgers are at an interesting point of where they are as a program. Obviously, you know, the regular season, they go 7-5. and five. After bowl season, they could be 8-5 and five or 7-6, and six, depending on the outcome of that last game. Uh, not quite 
the outcome that a lot of Badgers fans had hoped for, but also very realistic outcome, I think, of consider how 100% realistic. Where this coaching staff was left with this team a year ago when Luke Fickle took over. So, I'm, personally, I'm not too upset. I get it. Um, no, you're... You you need a year to change the culture. You need to get some of your recruiting and your own guys in. So with that in mind, uh, Tanner Mordecai, who for better or worse was the Badgers starting quarterback throughout most of the season. Uh, When he was injured, it was Brayden Locke, who I would say is a better thrower of the ball than uh, Tanner Mordecai was, but isn't the true quarterback that you need for an air raid type offense. You need somebody who can, move can run etc so where that puts us and where sean brought up arch manning for because <laughs> uh last week it was you know there's a plethora of college football quarterbacks over the last only three four days who've been announced that they're gonna be entering the transfer portal uh one of those not being arch manning but i had really? text, he has not yeah but i had is mentioned he, is yours um, gonna be in the draft i don't know i don't think so I feel like he's not going to be. But I had mentioned that I think a great fit for Wisconsin, if they're not sold on who they have in their quarterback room, which, or if they're just looking to buy another year for some of these guys, like like uh, Nick uh, Evers or Cole the Crew or Braden Locke, for that matter, if they're looking to buy kind of a year for one of these guys to develop just a little bit more, a potential kind of Band-Aid fit I think would make a lot of sense would be DJU which I'm not even beginning to try to pronounce his last name, formerly of Clemson and, and most recently of Oregon State, um, who has gone to the transfer portal. Very much a spread offense, can run, pretty decent thrower of the ball. I would love this. I think he would make a lot of sense for the Badgers to pursue. Again, if they don't believe that the guys in their own quarterback room are 100% ready for the job. They also do have a quarterback uh, four-star recruit coming in as a true freshman next year out of Texas, who looks like Trevor Lawrence. Nice. Uh, and I forget what his name is. Trevor um, Lawrence? It is not Trevor Lawrence. Oh. But he looks a lot like him. He's got the, the sunshine look to him. I he's It's a double M name, and I'm going to hate myself because I can't remember it. But um, would be an interesting, I think, one-year option for the Badgers. Uh, and then Sean, of course, goes and says, Arch Manning would be fun. I think so. I don't think he's going to come to Wisconsin. Why? Just a, a gut feeling. Your, um, your gut's been wrong before. It, it has been. That is that is factual, but not frequently. Yeah, okay. That's not frequent, <laughs> but, um, Arch Manning is expected to stay at Texas for next year. And it, there is reports saying that Quinn Ewers is expected to remain with the Longhorns next season as well. I don't think he stays in, at Texas. I don't one hundred percent either. I, I think I really, I really believe he goes to Alabama. Really, that's the team that I'm picking that he's going to go to. You figure Alabama never has a good quarterback. What are you talking about? They had they had Jalen Hurts. They had Tua. They had. <laughs> I'm kidding. Right. They've, they've never had a guy that could go and win them a game. They've relied on that defense for the longest time. Who would you say the last great Alabama quarterback is? That just played for Alabama or was good in the NFL? That just, just Alabama talk. Not NFL withstanding. I mean, 
because I'm talking like a conversation, like you think of like Tim Tebow, Johnny Menzel as guys who were excelled in college. Right. You didn't transit to the NFL for whether it be personal choice or would would you you'd have to almost go back to what AJ McCarron? That's exactly AJ McCarron, Greg McElroy. Yeah, that's exactly the two I had in mind. Because I seen I seen the tweet of, or was it a tweet about Greg McElroy saying Alabama relied on their defense and never or or always had good quarterback play and never relied on a stout defense. It was something like that, and they showed the national championship game where he had threw for fifty eight yards. I'll find the I'll try to find the quote here. You know, you, you did see it at some point. I today, see. Yeah, didn't I you? saw it. Um, it came out two days ago. ESPN roasted for having Greg McElroy yeah. explain why Alabama made over Florida State, and I'm trying to see if I can find it here. Um, doesn't have his exact. No, I think cool. it was. But I, I, I know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. Yeah, he threw for like 58 yards in a national championship game, and they still won by a ton. Right. But that, that to me, is your last good Alabama quarterback. And, yeah, him and A.J. McCarron. Right. And they were horrible in the NFL. A.J. McCarron made a career out of being a back. I'm, isn't he still playing? Yeah, I think so. I think he's in since, no, not Cincinnati anymore. No, not the Raiders. That's Aiden O'Connell. He is for the Bengals yet. Is he for the Bengals? Hmm. AJ McCarron's pro career. He played for the Bengals from 14 to 17. In 2018, he was a member of either the offseason or practice squad for the Bills. Later got picked up by the the then Oakland Raiders. 2019 to 2020, he played for the Houston Texans. 2021 for the Atlanta Falcons. 2023 played for the St. Louis Battlehawks. And is now a member of the Cincinnati Bengals. Wouldn't that be a dream job, though? Be a backup quarterback in the NFL? Oh, absolutely. It's it's that and bullpen catcher. Those are my two dreams. Or a punter? It's a lot of work. Is it, though? I mean, Pat McAfee had like four or five leg surgeries and back surgeries. Yeah, but Pat, Pat McAfee did a lot of did a lot of dumb stuff that <laughs> a lot of punter, a lot of punters don't do anymore. You're not wrong. I mean, I think I think backup quarterback and bullpen catcher have to be right up there. Right. Practice squad quarterback even maybe better. Yeah. Because I mean, backup quarterback you're gonna make maybe like a mill a year, but a, even a practice squad quarterback, a couple hundred thousand. Well, you just look at Kurt Banker. Yeah. I, I mean, he's I, gonna be he's gonna go down as more known for not football. Right. But we were talking before before we started tonight that about his. Is our uh, his TikTok today and just going over all Jordan Love's plays from Sunday night, and it was it was just really neat to watch and get it explained from somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. It's not not Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> it's really interesting <laughs> to me how like guys you know like Kurt Bankert who this is not a shot at Kurt Benker, but he was a third string quarterback practice squad guy, but the mentality was there, right? Right. Like he can explain it. He can see it. He can make it make sense. He can communicate it. And then, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you talk about like in baseball, like catchers end up being a lot of the best managers and role players end up being the best managers. Not for, you know, like it's not usually the superstar, right. Who ends up being the best coach. And, because they rely on their ability rather than their mindset. 
even like when you look at broadcasters, the superstars don't always end up being the best broadcasters. No. Uh, I mean, Peyton Manning is just a dorky guy, so right. he's relatable for that. But it's guys like, I mean, I think Tony Romo's really good. Right. I agree, um, Tony. I know he's a very, you know, a lot of people don't love him. Right. But he also sees, like Kurt Bankert, he sees things before they're, or as they're happening. Right. And can react to them as they're happening. And communicate it in a very plain style. But you you look at it this way, too. He's still... 10 years behind what Kurt Bankert is. Right. For like film wise and looking at seeing everything. Right. And even like, I mean, Troy Aikman, I mean, I know a lot of Packer fans hate him and a lot of people don't like him as a broadcaster because, you know, he's still very loyal to the Cowboys, but he wasn't a very good quarterback. No, he wasn't. I mean, he was a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but that really makes me wonder like what Tom Brady's going to be as a broadcaster whenever he starts. I don't I don't know. Right. And that's that's what I'm saying is he very well could be very great because he's just wired that way and he's great at everything he's done. Right. But he also could just be kind of cringy and not great mm-hmm. because he was so on a different plane as everybody else he played with. Yeah, he had to work hard for it. The mentality was there for it as a player. But how do you communicate that to the average Joe who's half in the bag when the game starts? Exactly. You know how do you how do you communicate that to your your listener or even working with you know a, a you know your play by play guy? There's so many different things that go into the chemistry of a broadcast besides just knowledge, and you have to be able to communicate that knowledge. So, very curious on his on how he ends mm-hmm. up turning around. But yeah, Kurt Banker, excellent excellent job um, with that. Looking at basketball uh, real quick, we'll start with the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are currently leading the Knicks at the quarterfinals of the of the in-season tournament, 75-72. So they potentially punch a ticket to Las Vegas with a semi or to the semifinals of the win tonight. Uh the Pacers won last night. Again, Tyrese Halliburton, former Wisconsin native. I guess Wisconsin native. I don't really say former, do I? No, not really. Um Wisconsin native had the huge game triple double last night. So it was kind of worth mentioning for that. And then kind of looking at the Badgers, Badgers are up 68 57 after taking down Marquette over the weekend. They're potentially 40 seconds of game time away from knocking off Michigan state. Their first time in the rankings, they came into today's game, I believe at 23 in the AP poll. So after some big wins over the Thanksgiving holiday, as well as um, that win against Marquette. Badgers 23 in the country and about 40 seconds away from winning. Green Bay men went on or took on or Milwaukee at home and got the win over the weekend. Uh, go to 4-3 and three on the season, 3-0 and at home. And for their sake, really kind of worth mentioning here is... In the first net rankings that came out yesterday, Sean, released by the NCAA and how they look for potential seeding. Yep. Uh, Green Bay was 362 in the nation last year at the end of last season. That's uh, dead second, last. Right? Second to last. Oh, second to last. But would be dead last this year because uh, the only team that was worse than them by those rankings and the Ken Palm rankings uh, was Hartford. And they dropped Division One basketball. So there's only 362 gotcha. teams. Okay. In one season or not even a full season, but in the time of Sundance Wicks and the new roster and 
Uh, Noah Reynolds, who's been an incredible get, uh, probably should not be playing in the Horizon League, but I'm glad that he is. <laughs> well, he was he was actually committed to play for the Badgers, and oh. then his brother got the assistant coach job, coaching job at Green Bay with Coach Wicks. Uh, came with him from Wyoming, and he ended up decommitting from Wisconsin and coming to Green Bay to, nice. co- to play under his brother and, again, to stay with Coach Wicks as an assistant from Wyoming. <clears throat> um, excuse me. So with that in mind, uh, the ba- the Green Bay Phoenix men go from 362 to 217 wow. over the course of seven games. 145 spots. So... Absolute incredible uh, turnaround early on here for the, the Phoenix. Still a lot of work to do for that their sake and what uh, Coach Wicks and everybody else would say, but very exciting time to be a fan of them. As mentioned, the Green Bay women did lose today uh, to DePaul. Again, you talk about just an incredible program, though, Sean, and the net rankings that came out yesterday for the women's side, 27 in the country. Wow. I believe by my count, unofficially, they would have checked in at 37 in the AP poll. They were receiving votes, but about 37. Um, That's with the loss, you said? Before the loss. Oh, before. So we shall see uh, how that ends up impacting them. I believe that's their only game for the week. Because where DePaul ranked higher than them? No. No? They're like a 500 team. Gotcha. But anyway, I digress. So... Kind of look around the state. Um, Marquette looks to avenge their loss to Wisconsin, where they've actually lost two in a row now. Or no, two of their last three, excuse me, uh, where they now they lost to Kansas, came back home, beat the crap out of whoever, uh, then go on to lose to Marquette. They play Texas tonight back at, it looks like, I believe it's at the Fiserv. Yes, at Fiserv Forum. Tickets are still available as we talk, but would not be communicated in time. But they are (laughs) as low as $4 for tonight's uh, 7 p.m. tip against Marquette. Actually, it's tomorrow. I take that back. So tickets for those listening tomorrow morning um, as we record tonight here on the 5th. Tickets for the game on the 6th are available for as low as $4. So if you want to go check out the Marquette Golden Eagles, take on Texas Longhorns, $4 gets you in the door. Anyway, and we're not going to talk about Milwaukee. They lost to Green Bay. Yeah. So let's look around college ba- basketball. Baseball? Baseball, yeah. Uh, look at even the baseball it? world. There are a D1 college baseball team in? There's one. And it's Milwaukee. It is. Milwaukee does have a baseball team? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, didn't know that. Real quick look at the world of baseball. The Brewers making a couple moves over the last couple of days here at the winter meetings. Most notably, the deal that we had talked about last week becomes official with Jackson Chorio signing the eight million or eight year, $82 million deal with two option years that can potentially be a 10 year, I believe ends up being $120 million deal. Uh, if all things kind of pan out, uh, Dylan, and I had talked about this pretty at length last week, but I just want to get your thoughts on that, Sean, as a Brewers team, uh, Brewers fan. Signing a guy to a potentially 10-year contract who has not played an inning of professional or MLB-level baseball. I I like it because you can see with the potential that he's got. And to get a guy like that signed for 10 years to be the face of your franchise is pretty incredible. 
Yeah, I I like the fact that they got out in front of it, right, and did like an Acuna type deal or a a Soto type deal and kind of do what they need to do. Um, it gives them a lot of being or being able to get other players around him and not have him being a fifty million dollar cap hit. Well, there's no salary, really no salary cap in the MLB. So, but just being able to have a guy like that locked up for 10 years is kind of crazy. It really is. And just, just don't, just that... don't buy his Jersey cause he'll get traded. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to, <laughs> but it's kind of one of those things where if you buy in now and you're ended up being wrong, it's, it's a $10 million deal, right? Or $10 million a season that whatever, which not chump change, so it's chump change. Right, but he, the thing is, he could still be a decent <laughs> player and still be worth that. Oh, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I mean, for what it's worth, Wade Miley just signed another one-year deal for $7.5 million or $8 million. Right. So you sign a, a veteran one-year guy, I mean, you basically just have a bunch of one-year deals right? for about the same amount. Yeah, it's a base of $7 million for Wade Miley, $1.5 million buyout, and... Can make up to eleven million dollars with incentives for Wade yep. Miley, yep. Yep. which also I think is a pretty big deal, mm-hmm. considering that that's going to probably be your one of your veteran guys on this rotation next year. And I do, th- I do think Gum Corbin Burns is going to get traded. Oh, one hundred percent. There, it's not even being hidden. Well, no. If it doesn't happen by the end of the week, I'll or by the end of the month, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I would too. By the end of these winter meetings. Yeah, it's. It really is one of those, again, worst kept secrets that just everything kind of seems to be falling that way. I I think Otani needs to sign somewhere, and then I think the Corbin Burns saga begins. Well, Juan Soto is going to have to get traded somewhere, too. I think that's going to be the second big domino to fall. That that haul that they want from the Yankees for Juan Soto is incredible. Oh, it is. Absolutely. It's insane. And for what it's worth, I think the haul that the Brewers would get back from from Corbin Burns for whoever it would end up being to is going to be a pretty big haul for a one-year rental. Right. With the assumption that they're probably going to look to sign right away because it's probably going to be like the Dodgers or somebody that is going to make us all at- angry. Yeah. But they're going to – you know, it's going to be a – It'll be St. Louis. I don't know if I could stomach that, Sean. Don't do that to me. <laughs> don't, don't do that to me. The Cubs? That's somehow better, and I can't explain why. I could stomach that more than the Cardinals. Because you know if he goes to the Cardinals, he's probably going to win, like, two World Series. Right. <laughs> That's the issue. And just be the biggest thorn in everyone's side and play there for the rest of his career. Go in the Hall of Fame as a Cardinal, even though he's a Cy Young winner here. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm already seeing it happening in my brain. And it's just spinning, and I I don't like it, Sean. I, I'm uh, if that happens, I'm I'm gonna need some help. <laughs> There's gonna be there, we're gonna have to go to a, a bar and and probably Gordy's and Gordy's <laughs> drain them of all the hams and old styles that they have and can get because I'm not gonna be well. There's gonna have to be a wellness check if that happens. Hundred percent. I'll be sad. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, that's really the big news out of Milwaukee. Uh, I believe they did come to terms with another player. 
they also did announce that Governor Evers did okay the $500 million stadium upgrade, so the Brewers are here through 2050. Holy man. So that's always great. So Brewers baseball will continue to absolutely ruin my summers for the next 27 years. So Anna and Ozio just couldn't afford all these upgrades? or I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Wow. I haven't been here for a couple weeks. I... I get... Or is he going to sell the team now? Which would be fine. Okay. Mark, so, Mark, Mark Cuban came into a lot of money, so Mark Cuban could buy the team. I'd be, I'd be pretty happy. Oh, that would be awesome. But okay, so I'm gonna, I'm just kind of looking through the ESPN. Um, critics, including a number of Milwaukee area run legislator or Milwaukee area legislators, insist that the Brewers deserve nothing and the state should spend its tax dollars on programs to help people. Um, Mark Adonazio has an estimated uh, net worth of 700 million. And the team itself is estimated for 1.6 billion. And <laughs> yeah, they gave 500 million for uh, repairs over the next three decades to keep the Brewers here. For the next three decades. Yeah. Does does it say how much how much how much money the Brewers make in a year, like their revenue in a year? Um. Like, Anything like that? I can. I remember that was a real interesting topic when we went to the shareholder meeting for the Packers. <laughs> Let just, me see just, if I can find that. Just how much money was rolling through Lambeau Field any given Sunday? I mean, it was just it was just insane. And even to lose, they lost a game, or they lost one of the home games last year with going overseas and whatnot. It was a bonus game, though. You got to remember that. They still had eight. 2022 operating income for the Milwaukee Brewers franchise per Statista.com amounted to about $23 million. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, that seems odd, too. Is that like in a month? Let me look at this a little further. Yeah, well, we, we can reconvene next week. Do a little bit of research over the $294 million. That makes more sense. 9% increase over the revenue generated the previous year. There you go. That makes way more sense. Yeah, I don't know where that other number came from. That was like a one month in. So that's $294 million clearing that they're clearing. Yes. That's just insane. Yeah, but we have a payroll that's bottom half of the MLB. But still. I don't want to talk about it. Now I'm crabby. <laughs> now I'm crabby again, Sean. But still, like, we wouldn't have had to pay for these upgrades. Yeah. Here's the... They, they, I know. I understand the issue with it was that they were... He was saying he was going to leave. All that kind of stuff. It's like... The, the money that it brings in, because, I mean, that's... you got to figure in hotels and you know, local businesses, you don't want that to leave. Well, of course, especially not. because the MLB refuses to expand and, you know, I, yeah, they, they're going to Vegas instead of Oakland. They're actually going to a smaller market for media size and all that. Yeah, but it's more but money. They're not actually expanding. I mean, there hasn't been a new team, I think, since the 90s. I mean, they're well, if, let me take that back. 
the 2005-ish move by the Expos to come to Washington, D.C. occurred. Yep. But there hasn't been expansive expansion franchises since, I believe, the Marlins in... 98. 98. 97, was 98. Diamondbacks like in there, too, or was that before? That might have been 94. Diamondbacks were right around there, I think. Because I just watched a whole thing on Randy Johnson not that long ago. Yeah, I believe that was one of his slightly before. Regardless, right? It's been twenty five years since there's truly been expansion, and it's been about fifteen ish since the team even moved cities. I mean, yes, there is a move coming up with the A's going to Vegas, so I guess that kind of resets that. But the fact that that is the only movement, and there isn't. You know, new cities being awarded franchises and that you're not expanding a game where the NHL has expanded, I think, twice as of late. The so NBA. How many teams does NHL have now? I believe they're either up to 32 or they're up to 30. I can't remember how that all falls out, but uh, the NBA has really not expanded too much. I guess there really hasn't been a whole lot of movement in the last several years. Really, the NBA's last one was the Bobcats. Well, I was going to say the uh, the Sonics going to Oklahoma City. Oh, that's even know. that's been ten years, fifteen, ten, fifteen this year. Yeah, oh nine. Yeah, oh eight, oh nine. Yes, because yeah. it was right after KD's rookie season. Yep, and then Russ's was Russ was the first pick for the OKC. Thunder. Yep. So there really hasn't been a lot of movement there. The NFL has had probably the most movement, but not expanding. Um, which I think is also interesting. I'm surprised that there hasn't been more there either. I I think I think everything changes within five ten years. A lot lots going to change for the NFL. I think I think you're going to have a overseas or a international team at some point here. Five ten years. Oh, absolutely. I, it's it's. I think it's overdue at this point. Oh, to be honest with you. Yes. I'm surprised it hasn't happened because this is. I mean, the last two three years we've even had where teams play. Following a London game, like it's not the automatic buy anymore, right? And I think the NFL is saying, "Hey, like this is a doable thing, right?" It's it's not the best thing to do by any means, but no. And I mean, you can argue that the Packers got kind of derailed by that last year, yeah. Coming back and not really finding their footing after coming back from London for three, four weeks at a time there. You you can't you can't blame the London game. Oh no, I'm I'm every, not every 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 but or every team has done it, so it's not like I'm I'm just saying because the Packers did it without the buy, like you can you I can kind of you can argue that it impacted them more than they thought it would. I just don't know how you would do a division with a London team. That'd be the only thing. That'd be that'd be the I think that's the biggest issue. To have two games there and that kind of, that kind well, of stuff. Well, you'd only have one game there, but they'd have to come here for... Right. That's a lot of travel for that individual team. It would it would make more sense to have, like, your Mexico City. Or somewhere in Canada. Or somewhere in Canada. I, I think a Toronto football team would be awesome. Yeah. Just the way that place was rocking when the Blue Jays were, the Jose Batista... Blue Jays and Edwin Encarnacion. Even like this last offseason. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of how. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm kind of stuck on that. Now I'm trying to think of how you would make that work. Where you might have to do two and two. Like two weeks here, two weeks there. Right. 
and it'd be like the most predictable schedule, but mm-hmm. it you'd have to have something like that to make it all yep. flow and work. Yep. That's somebody for bigger minds than us. Yeah, 100%. Although if the NFL wants to come in and pay us to figure it out, we can figure it out. Yep. It's just we can go to Gordy's, have a few hams and old we'll style, figure, and we'll, we'll figure, figure it out. It, out. <laughs> it might not be the best logistical way, but we'll figure something out for you. So NFL, if you're listening, hit us up. We got you. The DMs are open. All right. Uh, moving on, staying with the NFL, then Green Bay Packers have now won three in a row. They have won four of their last five after a, I'd say, dominant win yes, over the Kansas City Chiefs. Where I think they were. The better team from start to finish. Um, and I think it changes the narrative on this season. Now, technically, a lot of football to play, but the season ended today. They'd be a seven seed and in the playoffs, which is quite incredible when you think of what this team was like a few weeks back at two and five. Yep. Narratives have changed. Um, analysis has changed. The team has changed for that matter, too. 100%. There's been a lot of growth, which is, I think, all Packer fans have wanted. And honestly, I think I think we're in a position where I think you're getting close to having to extend Jordan Love in season. I think so. And I think it's close to being a unanimous good move. So, so you're not thinking we're going to take a quarterback in the draft anymore? I want to be very clear. I said this last week, Sean. I'll say it again. I didn't I didn't listen last week, you so did. you're going to have to tell me again. I think based on where the team was, and actually really until this last week, I I kind of still was having my question marks. And I'll be the first to admit that that I had, wow. Giannis is so tall. I wish I could do that like once. Um. Anyway. I don't think you have as many question marks because I think we've seen consistent growth against very good teams. That's not just luck. Right. It's not just flukes. It's not just, you know, taking advantage of a bad situation. We have seen consistent play out of Jordan Love really since the Chargers game. Yep. Which I mean, I would say well, actually, I would even go back to the Steelers game, the one that they, they lost right before that. Yep. Because they had beaten the Rams where it was kind of ugly. Yep. And I don't even think I'd say that. But in the four weeks following that, Steelers, Chargers, Lions, Pack, or Chiefs, we've seen consistent growth. We've seen a lot of improvement and just in simple reads. And Com- you've, you've seen confidence. You've seen confidence. You've seen the playbook open up a lot more. And so it's the coaching staff buying against the players buying against the receivers being on the same level. So all those things aside or all those things kind of put together where I think when we were talking about this and like I said, for our listeners, I, you know, I'm not flipping aside on this. I'm just giving analysis. I think you're in a position where you can extend Jordan love very confidently now or damn near close to that. Whereas three, you know, probably four or five weeks ago when we were first talking about this, where it was even a conversation was, yeah, Jordan Love was doing okay. Like there was slow growth, but at the time you can look at, okay, here's this, how contracts work in the NFL. You've got two routes. You can either pay him something and try to build around him, or you can pick a new draft pick, pay them for next to nothing and do with the the 49ers doing with 
Brock Purdy, who is now an MVP favorite. Which still does make sense, but... But the argument would be that you would just build everywhere else around, and the quarterback, as long as you don't suck, is more or less irrelevant. Right. Now I think we're, at, we're confidently at the time where I think Jordan Love might be the guy. And we're seeing things like the play that stands out to me the most this last week. I mean, yeah, there was the, the big throws like where everybody gets excited about the Dobbs, you know, where he drops in the bucket. Um, that, that could have very easily been picked off. Right. The play that I think says the most about the growth of the team as a whole, but specifically Jordan Love is and Kurt Baker pointed this out well, but I remember thinking this on Sunday Night Football and you can check the receipts. I got the, they're on uh, my Twitter page, but. The touchdown, the first touchdown of Christian Watson, where he was about to scramble, realized he really couldn't get out of the pocket. And at the same time, it just works out where the route concept comes to fruition. Watson bursts on that crossing route across the end zone. The dude's wide open, sets, has the ability to set the feet. So he's not throwing off the back foot. He's not, you know, overstepping and throwing down, sets the feet perfectly, plants and delivers a dart to catch Watson in stride. And that's another thing, too, is we're seeing a lot more getting receivers in stride, seeing a lot more. I know uh, Benker points it out in his TikTok video about um, on the first touchdown drive where on a third and what was a third and five, third and six, something like that. Yeah, something he like hits Dontavian Wicks and allows the actual play to develop. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it also showed that Wicks timed it in, timed his, head. It in his head, too. To he also Watson found the to help the spot. guy clear. And find the hole in the zone. So across the board, the team is growing. You have a lot of good young talent that is forming uh, where you've got guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and uh, Jaden Reed, who's been and arguably one of the better steals, uh, if you can call a third round pick a steal. Right. But has been a steal at that third round pick. Uh, for that matter, you know when he's been healthy and lacerated kidney or whatever he did aside, Luke Musgrave was hitting his stride too and really fitting with his offense and the tight end play of, I mean, for the first time ever, I think, yeah, it was, no, not I think, but for the first time ever, three rookie receivers have caught a, t- a touchdown pass between Tucker Craft, Ben Sims, and Luke Musgrave. So the tight end position group is figuring it out. It, they're all clicking and you're getting decent offensive line play to kind of let that click too. I mean, it's still, they're, not they're been still the best. flipping, flipping guys though. Yeah, which which I thought was different. I I never noticed it until they pointed it out during the game on Sunday. But why not? If it's working, it's working. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Packers, like I said, I I I don't want to just say I'm drinking the Packers Kool Aid. There's a very realistic chance for them to to win four of their next five. Yeah, they got a real easy schedule. The strength of the schedule, which is something we talked about earlier this season, did favor them. And that you could make the argument that there is a path there. And it's going to be just kind of one of those things where they've got to play their game and right. continue to grow and execute. You know, the old saying, winning covers warts, still is true. I mean, I think the last, especially the last two wins have been, you never say flawless, but have been... I think the excellent de- wins. The defense still hasn't played up to where they need to play. Oh, absolutely. I mean, 
I I still think no matter what, I you gotta fire Joe Barry by the end of this yes, year. Yes, that needs that is or to start of next season. It's it's gotta happen. That is point number one. There, does this whole bend don't break defense isn't it is works it, in Madden, right? But it, it's not supposed to work at the NFL. It's not sustainable. No, no, it's it's just not. I mean, you're gonna run into a buzzsaw and you're gonna lose forty five, forty five ten. Yeah, exactly what the Packers did in the early 2010s. Right. You think about the perfect the 15-1 season where the one loss was, ironically, to the Chiefs in the regular season. They got blown out. Right. And then in the playoff game against the Giants, they get the doors kicked off them again. And it takes one game of not scoring every single drive where you have even two drives where you don't score and you're down two possessions. Yep. Because you, you look at it this way, Kansas City could have scored a touchdown on both both their first possessions, and it's a 14-14 game. Right. Going into halftime instead of 14-6. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that's night and day different. You hold the Chiefs technically to one touchdown, which great. Right. They're a top 10 scoring defense, but they're also giving up field goals where you could argue that they shouldn't be giving up, they should be getting punts. Right, 100%. So, they forced him when they needed to this last week, so it, it all ends up working out. Um, Did you see that they only there was only five drives in the first half? Well, in the first drive, I don't know how, what it ended up taking up a seven game and time, a half seven minutes. and a half minutes, two thirds of the opening quarter. And again, that's you know where you talk about the growth of this team that ends up in six or seven instead of three, right? Which shows the growth of where this team's come and. What needs to continue happening? Which I think that that's exactly what they needed to do on Sunday. They needed to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hand, hands, and. Well, they, I mean, looking at the box score, Travis Kelsey only had four catches. Right. And yeah, he had a big first down catch himself, but it was like one. I think as long was what twenty four. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. You didn't get burned, which I guess I guess if that's your how you planned for this game, right? Yeah, it's annoying to watch, and you're sitting there constantly stressed out. But how great it for what it's worth? How great was it feeling stressed out on Sunday? Was it not feeling stressed out? You mean no? How great was it feeling like the game actually mattered? Right. Because you know those games where you're two and five, or you kind of looked at this like maybe it's a lost season, and it's just it's not fun. I was hoping it was going to be a lost season because so, I want to go to one more game just for yeah. cheaper, cheaper tickets. Sure. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying? Like, right. no, I, how I, how fun is it that football matters? Right. And it's not, you know, I can last week we had talked about, is this a false hope rally or is this the start of something real? This is the first game where in this really this four out of five game stretch where, the, yeah, this is this is legitimate. There's a lot of things here that are consistent and buildable upon against a very good team. That's a very good defense that they that they and they it just it shows the growth of this guy where, you know, you still have the same defensive coordinator you're going against who's zero blitz the crap out of you the first time and instead of being overwhelmed during the headlights with it. Jordan loves I mean Jordan loves stats. 25 to 36, 267 yards. Uh, three touchdowns, took two sacks, had a quarterback rating of 118.6. That's incredible growth. Right. In, you know, you really think about first career start versus, what, 
13th. Yeah. He started 13 games in the NFL. 12 this season. They're at six and six. And the one against the Chiefs. So in 13 starts, the growth of that. I mean, I think I saw I had his numbers pulled up from that first game. Yeah, it was a struggle. And just looking at the rest of the box score here, the rest of the team, again, the growth of the rest of the team and helping comp- play complementary offensive football. A.J. Dillon, 18 carries, 73 yards, average of 4.1. Nothing fancy, but was running hard. Mm-hmm. Patrick Taylor, 2 for 29. Christian Watson, 2 for 15. Jordan Love, 2 for 10. James Robinson had a carry for two yards. I didn't know he got in the game. Yep. But good for him. Uh, speaking of James Robinson, officially got cut again today and was replaced with a practice squad starting a Kenyon Drake. Okay. So, <laughs> Sean, I wish I could have gotten your reaction <laughs> on video. Um, I did not realize Kenyon Drake was a free agent in right. December. Right. 100%. Uh, looking at the rest of the stats, so I mentioned the 267 passing yards. Uh, Dobbs, 4 for 72. On five targets, seven for 71, and two touchdowns for Christian Watson. Dontavian Wicks, three for 43. Tucker Craft, three for 37. Jaden Reed, four for 16. Malik Heath, one for 15. A.J. Dillon, one for 14. Ben Sims, one of one. And the touchdown, uh, Patrick Taylor, zero catches, zero yards on one target. And James Robinson, one, tar- or one catch for negative two yards and uh, one target. So really a net zero game for James Robinson. <laughs> two yards rushing on a carry, one catch for negative two yards, two touches, zero yards. It's efficiency. I'll give him that. Mediocre. That's the definition of mediocre. Right, 100%. Um, no Green Bay fumbles. Just, a, again, complimentary football. An all-around good game. Team stats. uh Kind of cleaning it up in a lot of ways. I know we talked about, you know, one of the big things was penalties early in those those struggle games. Seven for 63, no turnovers. Uh, won the time of possession battle, 30 minutes, 32 seconds versus 28-9-28. So very back and forth game there. Um, trying to find their third down. Third downs, five of 10, which was down a little bit. The Chiefs were seven of 11, but one of one on fourth down with the you like the love shove, the packer backer push. I like, you want to I like the love shove. Yeah, that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. But just a very clean game overall. And looking ahead again, you don't want to get too overconfident here. The schedule the rest of the way. Monday Night Football next week against the Giants. Packers are a six and a half point favorite in that one. Uh, then you look at the 17th Packers Bucks. Christmas Eve day, Packers Panthers, New Year's Eve night, Packers Vikings, and to wrap the regular season up, Bears Packers at home. Again, that's you all winnable games. All winnable games. You should expect to probably win four of those five, if the team's executing and getting what they can. Uh, you. So what you're figuring the Minnesota? I'm scared of that Panthers game, and I have no reason to be, other than the fact that that would just be like the most. The most Packer thing. The ever. Packer thing, like where they're one in eleven, and Christmas Eve comes around, and you're on the road, and Bryce Young kind of figures it out and runs all over you, and throws for 250 yards on top of it. I think the Panthers take another quarterback with the first overall pick. They don't have the first overall pick. Oh, that's right. They traded him. Bears do. Bears got what one in four. 
something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're talking. Think about that. That for that a second too. You go from planning for what you're going to do as a top five draft pick to being in the playoffs in a matter of four weeks, a month. Yeah, in a matter of a month, you're going from a top five draft pick to a playoff team, and realistically having a a realistic path to the playoffs, controlling your own destiny, and not even out of conversation for a, a, a division win. Right. Because Detroit hasn't looked. Detroit's looked beatable. Minnesota doesn't look like a juggernaut. No. I, th- I think losing Kirk Cousins for Minnesota made them very vulnerable and beatable. I think that changed. But even, but even still, I mean, even with Kirk Cousins, they're, they were, they're still beatable. Right. Absolutely. And then the Bears are the Bears. Right. We and even they've kind of figured it out a little bit, but uh, the Panthers are the only team mathematically eliminated from the playoffs as of today. Yep. So, but that one, that one kind of scares me a little bit. A little too much trauma there yet. Yeah. That one, that, that's the, that's your quote unquote trap game. Yeah. Looking ahead to Minnesota a little bit too much, which by the way, a little tangent here, Shauna and I were looking at possibly, you know, making a trip out to Minnesota for that game, New Year's Eve night, have the next day off yet. Uh, her sister and brother-in-law live out in Minneapolis or the Minneapolis area, so it would have been, you know, we would have had a place to stay. Yep. These delusional ass Vikings fans. This was going to be my nuggie, but I had other stuff to talk about. Delusional ass Vikings fans. Sean, guess what the cheapest ticket for that Vikings Packers game on December thirty-first is right now. The cheapest ticket. The cheapest ticket at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, for a team that has no Super Bowl wins, a building that has no history. Is it $200 a ticket? <laughs> no. Keep going. Higher? Higher. Significantly higher. Why? Three? As of right now, 8.22 p.m. Central Time, December 5th, the cheapest ticket for Packers-Vikings on December 31st, $357 per ticket. And that's for section 348, row 23. So you're in the loge corner, the uppermost corner of U.S. Bank Stadium. Whatever. Whatever. No way. I talked to a guy who is a Vikings fan, and I guess the Vikings fans, to their credit, I'll give them a little bit of credit. They kind of purposely priced this one really high because they don't want Packer fans coming in and buying the tickets. I get it, but this is Sunday night football, December, again, New Year's Eve night. Right. For a team that is one team, your home team is trending the wrong way with a basically your second backup quarterback versus a team that is your, yes, your cross division rival and trending the right way. But even, you know, a couple weeks back before the Packers really kind of kicked it in, this was still like a $250, $300 ticket. Which is, again, delusional-ass Vikings fans for a team that has been dog shit, traditionally speaking, especially in the late part of the season. Forever. Forever. Who has never won a Super Bowl, has no history in the building. Like, you can go to Lam- You could have gone to Lambeau 
for Packers Chiefs Sunday Night Football with all the Taylor Swift hype. And, and, I, and set pretty far down for $350. Our friends Armando and Caleb bought tickets day up for $75 a piece. Yep. In the in the end zone. I mean, I, when I had looked, I found them on the I, Packers. I found them for face value. 120 130 Right. Not this delusional bullshit of. I think there was one front row seat for, I think, in the memorabilia group for 100. I think 180 for front for first row. Yeah. I'm like, if you were you were one person and just wanted to go, that would have been perfect. Oh, absolutely. And this isn't even. I mean, Sean, I'm looking at these tickets on Game Time right now. Which Game Time, if you're listening, love the app. Hit us up. Um, I'm a SeatGeek guy. If you're listening from SeatGeek, <laughs> hit us up. But Sean, these aren't even like lower level tickets. I'm looking at like this is middle of the end zone, so section 223 at US Bank, row one. $947. You could almost buy a box box seats for, for that at Lambeau. The lower sideline, section 130, which doesn't even give me like a field view, uh, looks like it's approximately at the 20-yard line on the home sideline is for two seats, it's $715 a piece. No way. No, absolutely not. There's zero. This is like <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, the cheapest 100 section level when I'm seeing, I see 560 bucks, 550. Yeah, I'm good. Standing room only on the lower level is 487. No, I'm good. Absolutely ridiculous. I'll sit on my couch and watch it. Absolutely. I'll go to Gordy's. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they got a Packer special on hams. Sure they do. <laughs> 50 cents. <laughs> Anyway, so Packers this week, they do have the Giants Monday Night Football. Sean, what do the Packers do to continue the streak? They need to stop Saquon, of course, and just just play the way they've been playing. They, they haven't just not beat themselves. That's about it, which is, which is what we've said all the way from the first game of the season. Is Jordan Love doesn't have to be Superman. Mm-hmm. He's got to just be serviceable, mm-hmm. not turn the ball over, and make plays when he's asked to. That's what we've needed. And these, this last month, that's exactly what he's been doing. And he's what three and one, three and one in the last four, but four and five the, or four the, and one over the last five. The Pittsburgh game should have been a win. Yeah, it's it's one of those moral victories that don't exist in sports. Doesn't show right. up, but that was like the first time you can like really sit there and say, like, "Hey, there's there's a lot here." Yep, and I think we talked about it that week too. That you 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 can see the chemistry coming, and we talked about this before we started here tonight. That this is about right around this time is when everything started clicking with Aaron Rodgers last last year with all the receivers, all the new receivers. It's clicking with Jordan Love. They're mm-hmm. having the meetings every Tuesday, mm-hmm. and everything's just clicking. And it's it's the type of growth that you can realistically build upon. Like this is a lot of guys who are going to be here for the, at least the next two three years that you can say, yeah, this is something that is realistically expected to continue. Yep. 
So, so now I got a, I got a couple questions for you that I that about maybe a free agent signing. Okay. What do you think about Zach Ertz? If Zach in the Ertz, off season? No, he's or free, right now. He, right now. Or do you not want to screw up the chemistry? Because Musgrave hurt for a while. Musgrave, technically, I believe what he had, he would have um, I think two weeks left on the injury reserve if he comes back right away. Um, not to compare it because it's it's such a weird injury. A lat- right, lacerated, lacerated kidney. kidney. I had to ask Carolyn what this what this was. What exactly? What the fuck does that mean? How do you lacerate something inside? She, Doesn't that mean cut? Yes, she's she's thinking or the way that she kind of explained it was like you broke a rib and the rib cut your kidney. Okay, that makes sense. I can like, get on board like with so, that. Some something along those lines. Sure. Which totally makes sense. The dude played for a quarter and a half after that. Right. That's incredible. Um, so I, I. So to answer your question, yeah, Zach Ertz. If I knew a little bit more about how a lacerated kidney heals, <laughs> and the only injury I can even compare it to is uh, Travis Hunter at. Colorado, where he came back from the lacerated liver mm-hmm. in what, like three weeks? Something like that, yeah. If that's the the timetable we're kind of looking at, and we've gotten very serviceable football out of Tucker Craft and Ben Sims, and you know that if you even have a feeling that Luke Musgrave is coming back, even if you kind of give him a week to kind of get back in conditioning, I can't imagine that's something you can just hang out and chill with, but. Right. I say no. The only, the only reason that I would say yes to it would be that veteran presence. Sure. That would be the only only way I would say yes to it. But for roster-wise, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I was going to say, what what do you... I mean, yes, it would be great to have a veteran who has been to a Super Bowl. Yes. with the He's a Super Bowl champion, I believe, with the Eagles' first go-around. The first go-around, yes. Um, The Carson Wentz... Uh, yeah. No, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. That's what I'm saying. Like Nick. Yep. Sorry. 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 The cross sorry, season. Sorry, I blew up. Um, I believe he was a Super Bowl champion that year. If I'm not mistaken, he played pretty impactful snaps down the stretch for that too. I don't think he was hurt, was he? I don't remember. That was a Philly special year, right? Yes. But he wasn't on the. Re- he didn't throw the Philly special. That was Goddard, right? Was Goddard in the NFL yet? Is it Goddard? Really special. Now I'm pit. Now I gotta look. Right. But just to answer while we're talking about it, um, my answer ultimately is no, I don't. Strictly because I I just I don't see where he fits in on the roster because I think you're trying to develop Kraft and Musgrave, especially. Okay. Um, and the only way to really do that is playing time. And we've oh. seen that happen with Tucker Kraft and yeah, he Luke Musgrave is a day one guy. Okay. So for that matter, I say no. Okay. I do see where you're coming from. If the Luke Musgrave injury is more significant than it's leading on. Well, again, for as much of a lacerated kidney can seem insignificant. But yeah, right. is if, if he's not able to return this season and you're looking for a third guy not named Josiah DeGuara and kind of filling like <laughs> a, a Mercedes Lewis role. Right. I would entertain it. I think he's going to probably go somewhere a little bit more when he's going to go back to Philly. Yeah, that's more that, that's, likely that's in my book. Okay, so then my then my next question. Sure. Where does Aaron Jones fit in this offense when he comes back? 
Aaron Jones, when healthy, I still think makes this offense click unlike any other individual player. Because, and that's why you sign a guy like Kenyon Drake to your practice squad, mm-hmm. why you had a James Robinson who was around, just didn't execute at the same level. But you bring a guy like him in for the sheer reason. Oh, by the way, Zach Ertz had uh, seven catches for 67 yards and a touchdown on the Super Bowl. And he caught the go-ahead touchdown on a seven-yard pass from Nick Foles um, in that Super Bowl. So, worth mentioning. He was around. Um, Now that we got that figured out. Yes. (laughs) What was the question? Um, Aaron Aaron Jones. Jones, Thank you. So, Aaron Jones and having, you know, I've said even the last couple years when we've talked about the Aaron Jones contract situation, I love Aaron Jones as a player. I think... And as a person, for that matter, too, he's a great person for the community, great person for the city, whatever. Matt LaFleur's offense ideally works at its best when you have a home run type threat at your running back as your RB1. It works at its best when a guy like a Patrick Taylor or A.J. Dillon is your RB2, the good old-fashioned thunder and lightning cliche. Right. So to that end, as the season continues here, I think he has an incredibly big role if he's healthy enough to fulfill it. So going forward beyond this season, I'll say what I've said the last couple off seasons. If it's not him, you need a version of him. And I think you need a version of AJ Dillon if it's not him, because he's a free agent after this season. Whether or not it's those two actual guys or not, to be determined. I think Aaron Jones is under contract next year yet. A.J. Dillon's a f- true free agent after this season. It's not a restricted? No. Uh, four-year rookie deal. So, if it's not them two, you need something like them two because the offense clicks at its best without them. Um, I think the growth of Jordan Love has made the offense work without Aaron Jones and where he looks a little bit more expendable, but make no mistake, he there's a reason you, you keep bringing in running backs and while you ultimately sign Kenyon Drake in the interim time instead of just being content with Patrick Taylor and A.J. Dillon is because you need that home run threat receiving running back to truly kind of spread the field and really opens things up for those other two backs as well. So that's kind of the ultimate answer is I think he still has an incredible role here to fulfill while he's when he's healthy. Right. But do, do you think do you think the offense changes is changes when and what and what happens if the offense struggles when Aaron Jones come back comes back? I mean, does every does everything change here? I I'm just just playing devil's advocate. If if Aaron Jones comes back and they struggle to win, they go under 500 in these last what five games, six games, five games, five games. So so you lose three, win you, two, or something right. to that effect, or one and four, or even zero and five somehow. Yeah. Does it, <laughs> does the whole narrative change? And do you do you not rely on Aaron Jones? Do you just rely on AJ Dillon? And well, I think the beauty that lies within the Matt Lafleur Shanahan version of the offense 
is that it's a very dynamic offense where if something's not clicking for whatever reason, whether it be a presence of Aaron Jones because he just commands so not he, him personally, but his presence just commands so much attention that you kind of get out of your rhythm that you've had the last month right. or so. I, I think that's where I got. think I think you're in a position where I mean, worst case scenario, you just you can use him either use him as a decoy or you use him uh, in the sense of or you, you kind of put him on not bench him, but you kind of just ride with what you've been doing with AJ Dillon. Right. But I think that opens things up a lot more when he's on the field, even again, if you're using him as a decoy. I mean, looking at the numbers from Sunday and everyone talks about Christian Watson and, you know, he's he's always hurt. Bullshit. Um, and his trade value, I don't think he has any. I think he's a huge part of this team. Even when he only has seven catches or, you know, he doesn't have the Devontae Adams numbers that you expect out of a, a quote-unquote RB1. But, but the impact that he has in opening up the field for other guys underneath, like a Dobbs, Wicks, Malik Heath, Aaron Jones, Patrick Taylor, A.J. Dillon, Christian Watson's also grown a lot as a blocker. Yeah. So you need a guy. I mean, look at how, you know, speaking of the Eagles, and I don't even think he was on the team at the time, but when you think of the Eagles, you think of having a guy like Deshaun Jackson take the top off the defense. You need one of those for every possession guy. Yes, we were spoiled because we had a guy like uh, Devon Adams who did both and was, you know, getting 10, 15 targets a game because mostly out of necessity. But, you know, you think back to even the early 2010s with, you know, the, with Aaron Rodgers' early days, you had guys like Donald Driver and James Jones succeed because you had guys like Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson take the top off. And those guys can work more underneath. And, yeah, you can, you can, con- you can scheme up things for them underneath as well. And the deep ball is there when it's there. You know, Christian Watson didn't really have a deep ball this last Sunday. No, but he had seven for 71. Right. But what he brings on those routes where he is running go routes or the one that Kurt Banker points out where he's running the uh, deep dig and it allows Dontavian Wicks to find a hole in the zone, throttle off a little bit and let Watson take two and he sits underneath. Right. Because otherwise the hole, if Watson has one on one coverage, even in zone and that guy is firmly on. Dontavian Wicks's hip, then just over the top to Christian Watson. So there's a significant role there too. Hundred percent. Those were just my my couple of questions I had for you this week. All right, Sean, I got one for you. Oh no, I don't, I don't <laughs> like this. No, no, nothing like this. <laughs> just I, I was very intrigued by these numbers here. So if you had to guess the numbers of where the Packers are at statistically on the season and the leading players at these stats jordan love as a passer how many yards do you think he has for the season he's got 2900 pretty close 2866 i was gonna say because i thought i thought he had 2599 going into sunday because they showed the the whole thing with him and aaron Rodgers having the same exact amount of yards and wins and yeah everything sunday who would you guess is their leading receiver and how many yards? The leading receiver has got to be Jaden Reed. How many yards? Jordan Love's got 
2,900. So let's go 650. 513. 513. Leading rusher in how many yards? It's A.J. Dillon. How many yards? Sure. Five. 521. 521. Pretty good job all the way around. I had people right at least. You did. You went three. For, I mean, well, <laughs> well, two for two. You went two for two. Jordan Love was. I mean, nothing against uh, Dontavian Wicks is one for one, eleven or uh, fourteen yard completion. Just uh, not the same. No, but not the same. Yeah. So looking at, I mean, looking at the numbers, eight, um, Aaron Jones has played seven years. Just kind of going back to your question, quick. He's played seven games, two hundred forty-five carries. Or 245 yards and 66 carries, 3.7 average, um, with only two touchdowns on the ground, uh, with a long of, it doesn't say on this one, but regardless, oh, it does have a a long of, only a long of 11. Aaron, AJ Dillon has a longer run this season than Aaron Jones does. Mm -hmm. But his longest play was as a receiver. Right. I had to think about that. But Christian Watson, for that matter, in three less games than Reed and Dobbs, at 422 yards. So very impressive for him, too. I'm just kind of finding his niche, too. So that is kind of our Packer preview. Uh, with that said, Sean, I don't think we're going to go through the whole NFL on picks here. Okay. Because we've kind of honestly fallen apart from that. But six and a half <laughs> um, going into Monday Night Football against the Giants out in the Meadowlands. How do you feel about that six and a half? I think they cover that. I do, too. I, I can firmly say that. I think that's a pretty. I mean, that's about right. Like they should win that by a touchdown. I'll be going going against Tommy DeVito, Danny DeVito's son. They really? It's not really. <laughs> I knew that in my heart. I knew that. But you said it with such confidence that you had me pause for like a half second. It's one of those things you hear. You hear the name and you're like, eh? no. If you say it with enough confidence, like you said, you had me. I'm like. No, he's not. Is he? <laughs> no. No. But he just had to double check. Anyway, uh, with that in mind, Sean, what is your route for for the upcoming week? Uh, Mark and Anna's wedding. Who's that? Your brother. Yeah. Shout out to him. Sports-wise, you got anything for us on the docket? Sports-wise, no. I got nothing. Sports-wise, I'm going to go with the uh, the fantasy football playoffs because I'm still in them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got to shut up, my brother. Uh Best of luck on the upcoming weekend. Should be a pretty fun Friday. Yep. Nice day off. Exactly. One benefit of a Friday wedding. Yep. Day off. Party day. Can't wait. Can't wait. Sean, you got a bar of the week for us? Oh, do I got a bar of the week? No. Well, what good are you? I haven't been to many bars lately. Why? Been busy. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can find a random one around here. Can I just make it Gordy's every time we don't have one? <laughs> um, um, da, 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 da. What's one up a Jillet that you could talk about? Oh, I actually had one here in mind for something I saw on Facebook. One, one section, because there was one in Jillet that I was actually kind of like, oh, I'll give them a shout out this week. Um, What one was it? What's the one that's changed names? How many? How many freaking times? That's the one I think it was gonna be. Yeah, but I can't remember what the name of it now. It used to be Fifth Wheel. Is that the place? 
Um, but it's not that anymore. It's not called that anymore. It's not the I can't find the post I was thinking of for the one that I thought it was. So let me let me keep looking here, Sean, as we continue oh. to here. Here. We'll go midway. Right. Mid, midway bar and grill. Or midway bar. See if I can find it on Yelp here. Or do you got Yelp pulled up? I don't have Yelp pulled up. I'm just I'm going through uh the other ones here that I can see for, first one to get it gets their bar as the bar of the week. And is it this one? This is terrible podcasting, but it is it's what very, it is. Very, very terrible. Oh, I think oh, this is kind oh. of the fun of the challenge, though. Oh, too. Oh, oh. Mine doesn't have any reviews, though. Sean, sorry. Oh, mine doesn't have any reviews on Yelp. Let's see what Google says. It's a very bad part of podcasting. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm I'm here for it. I am this really is upset. Not the right one. I am really upset because there was a post I saw that I actually kind of thought was kind of going to be fun to mention. That's but... an Oregon. That's not what I want. <laughs> um. You know what, Sean? Let's just do. Oh, oh. you find it? No, because this pulled me back to the freaking one in Oregon again. <laughs> Why is it pulling me to that to the one in Oregon? Can we just do Gordy's again until we actually sit down and find like a a, a good one? We're gonna do that. Gordy's Pub and Grill. Oh, nope, I got it. I okay. got it. Go ahead. I think. Uh, Midway Bar, so uh, right on, what is that, County A and Lena, owned by my cousin's family, so by the... You took a lot more time, I, if, once I searched this, it was yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah, you can calm down. I don't do all the search, quick searching like you do. I did it on Google, I don't know yeah, why so you're did I. No, I found it on Google. Calm down. Okay. Let me, let me talk. Go ahead. Uh, Midway Bar, we'll go... Most most relevant, highest. Very good fish on Friday night from Sarah, and the bartenders are friendly. Atmosphere is great. Food is good, and just a very laid back bar and very good pizza too. All right, so that's Midway Bar in County A and Lena. Yep, that's what I got. All right, for Shauna Ramsey. Dylan and Justin who weren't here this week. That's Sean. I'm Eric. Episode 137 is in the books. We're out. See ya. See ya.